Does anyone need a copy of the outline this morning? Anyone need one of these? Anybody? We're good to go. Right over here, we got a couple. And so that'll be good. It's always good to have guests with us. And Anthony just walked out, but he brought his brother today from all the way from Colorado. And so what was your name again? Hi, man. We're glad you're here today. And even with that Colorado Rockies hat, it's all okay. And so I'm but I'm glad you're here today. It's good to meet you, and so that's awesome. And it's good to have the Beckhams with us here as well today. Janessa, I'm glad that the Renaissance Fair is over with. It's good to have you back. And so good to see a lot of you in here. And uh, just so you know, I think Betty over there in the side room was thinking this was nice and short today because it's only half a page. It doesn't mean anything, and so just wait and see. Short pages mean nothing with me. And then... You're Mary's friend from work, right? You work at Chick-fil-A with Mary. That's what I remember. And what's your name? Johnny. Johnny. I should remember the name. Johnny, we've got another Johnny here, but good to have you back today. And so, awesome. We're glad that you're here. And so, Mary is teaching a Sunday school class right now. So, and it's her birthday today, too. And that's awesome. Glad you came today. It's good to see you. Good to see everyone else here. The ladies got back from Hawaii. That's good to see. I didn't know, looking at those pictures, I didn't know if you would come back. Just stay there. And, uh, but then how are you going to pay for it if you just stay there, right? And so we're glad that you're back and good to have you in church today. You're going you're gonna to turn to two passages this morning if you can handle it. If you can't handle it, turn to Psalm 8 to begin with. Psalm 8 and then Hebrews 2. We're going to read verse 5 through 18 today. Start a series a while back in the book of Hebrews, and that's where we are. And this message this morning, the book of Hebrews, there are spots where it goes a little deeper than I go deep, but we will be all right. We'll work on it together and get here this morning. Psalm chapter 8 is one of my favorite psalms, and there are several psalms that I would include as some of my favorites. And I would encourage you, one of the things that I do every day, I do a lot of Bible reading, but one of the things I do every day the book of Proverbs every day. Whatever day of the month it is, I read that proverb for the day. I've been doing that since I was seven years old. And you say, well, does it get old and boring? No, there's a lot that I never even get. And things that I see, there's always something to get from the Word of God. So I've read Proverbs every day. And have you ever missed? Yes, I've missed here or there a few times. We all, I hear someone say, I haven't missed it in 50 years. Okay, that's fine. That's fine. I, if, and I hope you're telling the truth because God hears everything that we say. So so for me, I'm sure there's been some times that I've missed. Do I want to miss? No. Has it happened? It has. Um, but I also read Psalms every day. I read five Psalms every day. So whatever day of the month it is, I start there, and then I go 30 chapters up, 30, and do it that way. And so it's five Psalms a day. You can get through the book of Psalms every month, and the book of Proverbs once a day. And then if it doesn't quite go up to 31, I just start back at one and start all over. I'm just glad Proverbs 31 is about that the virtuous woman there. I'm just glad there's no Proverbs 32 for that virtuous man too. So I'm like, whew, good, we get started all over. There's no 32 for me. Good, good, there's a lot there. And, uh, but Psalm 8 really is a special passage. And I really picture David as he penned these words. I picture him just laying out in a field looking up in the sky at night. And uh, I mentioned last service, that's one of the things I like to do. And uh, I, I hate the desert. It's not my thing. You say, why don't you like the desert? Well, first off, I don't like sand, number one. And at least at the ocean, you have the nice waves, so you can deal with the sand if you got to. But in the, in the desert, it's just hot and sand. Literally, I, that's why I picture hell is going to be like, except a lot hotter, and, just, and sand and all this stuff. But the one thing I love about the desert is at night, and you look up into the sky, and you see all those stars up there. 
And you just look, and it looks like they keep, and the more you look, the more stars you see, it seems like, and you lose track of where you are with all of it. Or being up in the mountains, you get above all the smog that we have and things, and you see the moon and the stars. And then you look at the bright blue sky, and you look at all that the Lord has done. Picture David being out in the fields with his sheep one night, just looking up in the sky, and getting lost in the glory of God. And it would do us all good to get lost in God sometimes. And do you know the heavens declare the glory of God? Literally, the earth is crying out His glory. And yet, we miss it a lot. It does us good to stop, to focus in on Him. I picture David just laying there looking up in the sky and pinning these words, O Lord, Psalm 8, verse 1, O Lord, our Lord, how excellent is Thy name in all the earth. Who has set thy glory above the heavens, out of the mouth of babes and sucklings thou hast ordained strength because of thine enemies, that thou mightest still the enemy and the avenger. When I consider thy heavens, the work of thy fingers, the moon and the stars which thou hast ordained, what is man? What is man that your mind floats? Why, th- why do you think about man? And the son of man that you would visit him, that thou visitest him. You ever just stop to think about that? The earth literally cries out about God's glory, and we miss it so often. And yet, you you ever been in a plane 30,000 feet over everything? Do you see people from 30,000 feet in the air? No. God's a lot further up than that. And you are on the mind of God amazing to me. David sits there and he's just in awe and wonder of God. And when you're having a bad day, I think the best thing you can do is just get some awe and wonder about God and what he's done in your life. And David penned these words, and let's read the rest of it here. It says, talking about, for thou hast made him a little lower than the angels, and hast crowned him with glory and honor. Thou madest him to have dominion over the works of thy hands. Thou hast put all things under his feet, all sheep and oxen, yea, and the beasts of the field, the fowls of the air, and the fish of the sea, and whatsoever passeth through the paths of the sea. O Lord, our Lord, how excellent is thy name in all the earth. What an awesome psalm. Take our Bibles to Hebrews chapter number 2, where we've been studying lately, and we're going to see that some of those verses are mentioned by the author here in the book of Hebrews. As we've studied for sake of review for just a moment, and I told you just because the notes look short doesn't mean it's going to be a short message, but we got a lot of verses to read here in just a minute. But the author of Hebrews is trying to tell Christians and remind some Christians, I mentioned that I believe that the theme of the book of Hebrews is moving on to spiritual maturity. And we only move on to spiritual maturity when we get rid of all the things that are, that are hindering us. And we hear the author here say that we don't neglect such a great salvation, that we don't do this. I believe the book of Hebrews is written to save people. It's hard for me to figure out why you've got to convince saved people that Jesus is better than anything else. But I think we get so wrapped up in things sometimes it hinders our spiritual growth. The author here is like, you know, Jesus is better. It's written to the Hebrews, so it goes back over a lot of things. Jesus is better than the prophets. He's better than the angels. Now, we talked about that in chapter number one. 
Chapter number two, as we looked, we saw the first warning in the book of Hebrews. But then the author here goes back to the angel's thought for a minute. Because this thought comes into mind. If Jesus is better than the angels, Jesus became a man. And if men are lower than the angels, how is Jesus better than the angels? So what we read today explains to us that Jesus had to become man to save us and to be captain and to do what he did for us. And that man, though man might be lower than the angels for a little bit of time, which we'll look at in a second, that's not how it was meant to be. Sin messed everything up. And someday, men are going to rule and reign with the Lord, and the angels are not. And so, there's a lot here. And we're going to see what we can get to with all of it. Verse 5, look at verse 5. It says, For unto the angels hath he not put in subjection the world to come, whereby we speak. But one in a certain place testified, saying, we just read this, didn't we? What is man that thou art mindful of him? Or the son of man that thou visitest him. Thou madest him a little lower than the angels. Thou crownest him with glory and honor, and didst set, over, set him over the works of thy hands. Thou hast put all things in subjection under his feet, for in that he put all in subjection under him, he left nothing that is not put under him. But now we see not yet all things put under him. And what's it talking about here? This is talking about man. Not every th- man doesn't have dominion over everything today, does man? We'll talk about this here in a few minutes. Let's keep reading. But we see Jesus, who was made a little lower than the angels, for the suffering of death, crowned with glory and honor, that he by the grace of God should taste death for every man. For it became him, for whom are all things and by whom are all things, in bringing many sons unto glory to make the captain of their salvation perfect through suffering. For both he that sanctifieth and they who are sanctified are all of one, for which cause he is not ashamed to call them brethren, saying, I will declare thy name unto my brethren. In the midst of the church will I sing praise unto thee. And again I will put my trust in him. And again, I, behold, I and the children which God hath given me. For as much then as the children are partakers of flesh and blood, he also himself likewise took part of the same, that through death he might destroy him that hath the power of death, that is the devil, and deliver them who through the fear of death were all their lifetime subject to bondage. For verily he took not on him the nature of angels, but he took on him the seed of Abraham. Wherefore in all things it behooved him to be made like unto his brethren, that he might be a merciful and faithful high priest to things pertaining to God to make reconciliation for the sins of the people." For in that he himself has suffered being tempted, he is able to succor them that are tempted. Father, I pray you'd bless the next few minutes that we have this morning. How we need you, how we need your help. I pray that you guide us, help us get what is in this passage this morning and leave here different and have our minds focused on you. I pray there's someone here this morning that isn't saved, doesn't know you as their Savior, that today would be the day they would come to you and turn from their sin and turn from what they believed in and turn to you today. We love you. We need you. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. If you listen to this world very long, this world would tell you that we're creatures that have evolved over time. Over billions upon billions upon billions of years, we have evolved to our present state of of existence. If 
But I want you to know this morning that mankind is much greater than the animal kingdom. We go to the book of Genesis and we can study out when God created all the animals. He made them after their kind. And after their kind. It says that over and over again, a key phrase in Genesis chapter, after their kind. And then it says, with man, he made man in his own image. Men and animals are not the same. I know some people might look like monkeys, but they're not. They don't come from monkeys. We don't come from monkeys. Sometimes I think some monkeys have more sense than some people, but that's another story, and that's not where we're going. But I want you to understand something. There is a difference between the animal world and humans. There is a difference between humans and humanity, mankind, and angels. Angels are more powerful than we are, right? They're in the spiritual realm. We're in the physical realm. We could talk a lot about these different things. And you think about the fact angels are glorious in what they do. They are ministers of God, as we said. But we see that in verse number 5, it says, For unto the angels hath he not put in subjection the world to come, whereof we speak. Angels are not going to be ruling in the world to come. There's a difference. Now what I want you to understand this morning is that when we read Psalm chapter 8, we really saw God's original purpose for man and God's plan for man found in those verses. And we could put them up on the screen one more time, just verse 4 through 6. What is man that thou art mindful of him and the son of man that thou visitest him? For thou hast made him a little lower than the angels and hast crowned him with glory and honor Thou madest him to have dominion over the works of thy hands. Thou hast put all things under his feet. Now when we look at that, it's very interesting. That phrase, it says, For thou hast made him a little lower than the angels. You look at that, you look at that in Hebrew, or you look at that in Greek. And it literally means a little lower for a little while. It's not always going to be that way. That's literally what it means. So for a little bit of time... Man is lower than the angels. Now, when we look at this verse, it says, God made him to have dominion over the works of thy hands. Thou hast put all things under his feet. We look at our world today, literally. Does man have dominion over everything? No. Man doesn't even have dominion over themselves. A lot of times you can't even control yourself in what you do, right? Think about it. There are some little fishies in Northern California that have more protection than you do. That's a, and we don't have dominion over the world. We say, well, that's what that says there. It is what it says, and we're going to go there in just a minute. But we look at our world, we don't have dominion, do we? No. Seems like everything else has dominion. We don't. We don't run this world. The devil does. He's the god of this world, isn't he? When sin entered into the picture... It interrupted God's plan. Didn't stop God's plan, but it interrupted the plan. In that, when sin entered into the picture, everything changed. Before sin, man had dominion. Do you know we don't have dominion? We die today. Man didn't die before sin. Man didn't sin before sin. Everything was different. And you've got to understand, our world today 
is groaning and crying out because of what's taken place. Romans chapter, and we could look at Genesis 1 verse 28 and see God's plan for us. And God told Adam and Eve there, he said, And God blessed and said, Be fruitful and multiply and replenish the earth and subdue it. Have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the fowl of the air, and over every living thing that moveth upon the earth. You know, I am, we have cats, so I'm learning to love them. I am, I'm not, I, I'm not as big of an animal lover as some of you in this room. And I'm all for you loving animals. I am, I am. Yeah, whatever's good for you. My cat loves to come sit on my lap sometimes, and it just, right at the wrong times. But I, I, I'm tolerating my cats. I had a dog I loved, and then he got ripped away from me. And anyways, then I, my affinity with animals got taken away. But I don't, it's good to, it's good to love pets. I have nothing wrong with that. I'm not against it. I had someone come to me last week, Pastor, do pets go to heaven? I'm like, the Bible says nothing about it. So, but I know uh, heaven's going to be a perfect place. And some of you think your animals are perfect. They'll probably be there with you. I don't know. Anyways, but the Bible doesn't give an answer on that one. There will be horses in heaven, right? That, the, that's, there will be horses. And so, and I've, I've helped r- help take one horse pony rides for some kids one day, and that, po- that horse was terrible. So if they're going to be a perfect horse, it'll be all right. But um, you realize even today, people could abuse an animal and get in more trouble than abusing a human at times. Everything's backwards today because of sin. Romans 8 talks about Actually, is it chapter 9? Chapter 8, verse 18 through 19 through 22 says, For the earnest expectation of the creature waiteth for the manifestation of the sons of God. For the creature was made subject to vanity, not willing, but by reason of him who hath subjected the same in hope. Because the creature itself also shall be delivered from the bondage of corruption into the glorious liberty of the children of God. For we know that the whole creation groaneth and travaileth in pain together until now. This world, think about this, as beautiful as this world is today, it's marred and messed up. And it's still as beautiful as it is. That's just an awesome creator. So we look at our text this morning, we see what it says here. And I want to give you some thoughts this morning. If you look with me down at verse number 9, in verse number 10, I'm going to take my thoughts for the rest of the message, from the rest of the passage, but from these two verses. Look at what it says. But we see Jesus, who was made a little lower than the angels for the suffering of death, crowned with glory and honor, that he, by the grace of God, should taste death for every man. For it became him, for whom are all things, and by whom are all things, in bringing many sons into glory to make the captain of their salvation perfect, through suffering. And for a little bit of time this morning, I want to talk about our captain's purpose. Why did Jesus put on flesh? Why did he make himself lower than the angels? Why did he do what he did for us? And that's literally what these verses from verse 8 through the end of the chapter in verse 18 tell us what he did. And so for a little bit of time this morning, we're going to get through all of that. Let's start number one this morning. Why did our captain come? What was his purpose? So he came to restore the lo- our lost destiny. He came to restore our lost destiny. Look back at verse 8 and verse number 9. Thou hast put all things in subjection under his feet. For in that he put, in, put all in subjection under him, he left nothing that is not put under him. But now we see not yet all things put under him. What is the author saying here? And as we look at this, what he's saying is, 
um, this is how God wanted it to be, and this is how God set it up. But we don't see that today. Man doesn't have dominion like it says here. Not all things are subject to man like what it says here. And nothing is supposed to be not under him. Like that's not what we see in our world today. And you've got to understand, we don't even, I mentioned a minute ago, we don't even have dominion over ourselves. Man's effort here to master the earth are marred at best. Think about all the things that we're under. We don't control the weather. I know some people think that they do, but anyways, we don't can. A hurricane comes, you're not stopping it. It's got control over you. An earthquake, we're in California, right? You don't control earthquakes. It will have power over us if an earthquake comes. Death has power over us today. Say, well, not complete. Yeah, I know. We'll go there in just a minute. Don't jump ahead of me here. What we see here is, yes, not everything is under man's subjection, and it's not the way God intended for it all to be. When man sinned, it got messed up. But what we see is, look what it says at the end of verse number 8. It says, but now we see not yet all things put under him. Not everything is under man. We're not in dominion over everything. But, look at verse 9, we see Jesus, who was made a little lower than the angels for the suffering of death, crowned with glory and honor, that he by the grace of God should taste death for every man. What we see here in the fact is that Jesus is the answer to mankind's problem. Mankind, God had an original design. God had all planned, all laid out man to have dominion, all these things to take place. Adam and Eve sinned in the garden. When they sinned, it messed everything up. And may I just remind you real quick, God didn't all that day be like, oh, wow, I didn't know this was going to happen. I got taken off guard that man was going to sin. No, before the foundation of the world, the lamb was ready to be slain, right? So God knew before he ever created us that he was going to send his son to die for us. So as we look and we look at our world, we're like, man doesn't have dominion today. We don't. But when we look, we see Jesus, he came to be the answer to the solution. Jesus is God's answer to mankind's dilemma. He became man. He suffered death and died for man's sin to restore the dominion and to put man in the rightful place where he belongs. That's what Jesus came to do. Why did Jesus come? Why did, what was our captain's purpose? Number one, he came to restore our lost destiny. Number two, we say he came to relate to our suffering. Look at verse 10 through verse 13. For it became him, for whom are all things and by whom are all things, in bringing many sons unto glory to make the captain of their salvation perfect through suffering. For both he that sanctifieth, that's Jesus, he that sanctifieth. And, they, and look at what it says there. And they who are sanctified are all of one. He's the one who sanctifies. We are the ones that have been sanctified. We're all one in bringing many sons, it says there, which, for which cause he is not ashamed to call them brethren. I'm glad he's not ashamed of me. Man, how many of us are ashamed to speak his name? What's somebody going to say? Jesus isn't ashamed to you, call you brethren. Why should we be ashamed? It's the thought there. Next verse says, Say, I'll declare thy name unto my brother in the midst of the church while I sing praise unto thee. And again, I'll put my trust in him. And again, behold, I and the children which God hath given me. As we look here, that verse in verse number 10, that verse 10, we see that phrase, becoming. It means displaying 
or setting off to the best advantage. It's, uh, it's fitting. That would be another word that could be used. And we kind of, um, you would use that word becoming, that, that, that dress is becoming of you. That's a phrase that could be used. I've heard people use things like that. And it means that it fits you. It's good for you. Things like that. And uh, if your wife ever asks you, you know, let me give you a little husband, husband's a little advice here. If your wife asks, does this make me look, does this make me look skinny? Does this make me, does this make me look fat? Sometimes I'll ask you, this makes me look skinny or if this makes me look fat. Just don't, just don't even go there. Like, everything makes you look beautiful. That's the best thing to say. And it's true. And it should be true. It should be true. And so I sincerely believe I married the most beautiful woman in the world. So there's no one more beautiful than she is. And so everything she looks good in. I do not go any other road with that. And men, sometimes they set you up to see what your response will be. Don't take the bait. Don't take it. Be careful there. Be careful, guys. Be careful. You asked, but they, they do. And then, anyways, we'll leave that there. But as we look at this, we see the fact that, look at what it says there. It says that the captain of their salvation, perfect through suffering. He came and he relates to us. Do you know what the word captain means there? It means pioneer. It's one who opens the way for others to follow. Jesus said, I've done this. I I've, I've did it. I've opened the door for you. Now you can follow through. Why did our captain, what was his purpose? His purpose, number one, was to restore our lost destiny. Number two, to relate to our suffering. Number three, he came to deliver us from death. Look at verse 14 and 15. It says, For as much then as the children are partakers of flesh and blood, he also himself likewise took part of the same, that through death he might destroy him that hath the power of death, that is the devil. So who has the power of death? The devil. You see that there? And delivered them who through fear of death were all their lifetime subject to bondage. You know, one thing that people don't love to talk about is death. A lot of Christians don't like to talk about death. A lot of people don't like to talk about death. Just recently, my parents, my dad wants to take care of everything before they go so the kids don't have to do it later. My mom, her mind is, it's, it's departing from us at times, and at times it's there. But it's amazing how even when the mind's not all there, there are certain things that stick in the mind that will never get, go out of there. She doesn't want to talk about it. She is as saved as someone can be, and she loves the Lord, and it's been displayed in her life, but she doesn't want to talk about it. So my dad just hasn't dealt with it yet because she doesn't want to talk about it. He wants to talk about it. In this room, there are some of you that, want to talk, that will talk about it, and there are others that don't. I use Margie Valdez as an example. She sits in the back there. She had a tooth pulled this last week, so she was not feeling great today. I love, I love Margie Valdez. She's like 85 or 86. And when COVID hit, she's 82 at the time. I called her to see if I go get her groceries and help her out. She didn't realize, and she told me afterwards that I really offended her because she didn't realize at 82 that she was elderly. <laughs> I hope that if the Lord allows me to live to be 82, that I don't think that I'm elderly at that point. I would love that. That's a great thing. But literally, she told me a few weeks ago, she's like, yep, Pastor, when it's my time, I, I've, I'm going to tell you right now, this is what I want for my service. I've got it all planned out. She wants the kids' choir to sing. She wants a certain type of food. She wants everyone to party and have a great time. 
Now, she, like, goes to funerals. She goes, like, five a week, and she eats at all these, all these, she's been in Chino her whole life. She literally has, she's had all these examples of them all, but she's literally got it all planned out. Then there's others in the room. You want nothing to do with talking about it. And I mentioned last service, I've got a little form that I'm going to put out soon. You want it, you can have it. If you don't want it, you do whatever God leads you to do. But someone gave me the idea a while back, and Margie's where I got the idea from for us, was I've had a few people recently say, and I don't know why, they, it's one of the comments they say to pastors, you're doing my funeral, right? I'm like, you're here. Don't boast about tomorrow. You don't know what they bring forth. I'm like, sure, I'll do your funeral, but if I'm not here, you do mine, okay? And whoever goes first will do the others. I think that's a good way of doing it. And so, but I'll have a little form, and if you want, if you got favorite songs, favorite verses, stuff you want in your service someday, fill out that form, put it in my office, I'll keep it hidden away, and then that's great. And some of you are like, I want nothing to do with that. Yeah, that's because we don't like to talk about death. We don't. Do you realize, though, the worst thing possible on earth is death? Right? Because there, there are a lot of bad things, but death, that's it. The worst thing here is really the best thing that could ever happen to us. Absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. But none of us like to think about it. You know? I would, I would like to go to sleep one night and just see Jesus. It would be a great way. I wouldn't like to die in an airplane. I wouldn't like to die in a car accident. I wouldn't like... You know, there's, we, there's all these things we could say. We don't like death. Think about this. Those of you that your loved ones know Jesus... Imagine what it would be like to go to their service and have no hope of heaven. Have no hope to ever see them again. That would be awful. It would be miserable. Isn't that what Paul talks about? But we look at these verses here, and look what it says there in verse 14. It says, For as much then as the children are partakers of flesh and blood, he also himself likewise took part of the same, that through death he might destroy him that had the power of death, that is the devil. Now when you look at that word destroy, do you see that word destroy? It doesn't mean, it's not the word to annihilate and boom, blow it up and it's gone. It literally means to render powerless. And that word comes in the aorist tense, which means something done in the past with lingering results. It's done over and over and over again. So get this. When Jesus died on the cross for our sins, rose again the third day, Satan lost his grip on death and the power of death and his threat of death, and Jesus conquered it and rendered death powerless. Now you're like, well, if it's powerless, why does it sting so much, and why do I not want to think about it? None of us like to think about that stuff. I like to put it off as far as possible. But what did Paul say in 1 Corinthians chapter 15 and verse 20 through verse 22? He said, But now is Christ risen from the dead and become the firstfruits of them that sleep. For since by man came death, and man, by man also came the resurrection of the dead. For as in Adam all died, even so in Christ shall all be made alive. Verse 26 of that same chapter says, The last enemy that shall be destroyed is death. The last enemy. The end of the chapter, verse 54 tells us, So when this corruptible shall put on incorruption, 
and this moral shall put on immortality. Then shall be brought to pass the saying that is written, Death is swallowed up in victory. O death, where is thy sting? O grave, where is thy victory? The sting of death is sin, and the strength of sin is the law. But thanks be to God, which giveth us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. We look at today, and when someone we love dies, there's a sting. And it sticks with us, and it stays with us. And it really never leaves. It's there. There are certain days that around the anniversary of it that we remember, that really touch us. And there is a sting. So we look at this verse and we're like, the sting's gone. No, I feel that sting right now. But do you see what it says? When this corruptible shall put on incorruption. When we see him, that sting's gone. Because Jesus died to render death powerless so we could live with him. That's what he did for us today. You see, the sting of death has been removed. The judgment beyond death doesn't have to be feared when you know Jesus Christ. We see number one today as we look at the purpose of our captain. He came to restore our lost destiny. Number two, he came to relate to our suffering. Number three, he came to deliver us from death. And lastly, this morning, he came to reconcile us from sin. Look at the last three verses. For verily he took on him the nature of angels, but for verily, verily he took not on him the nature of angels, but he took on him the seed of Abraham. Wherefore in all things it behooved him to be made like unto his brother, and that he might be a merciful and faithful high priest in things pertaining to God, to make reconciliation for the sins of the people. For in that he himself had suffered being tempted, he is able to secure them that are tempted. And when we look at verse 17, we see that Jesus performs the high priest duties. And it's no accident that the author of Hebrews is going back to the high priest idea because the Jews, they know what this is all about. And so you got to understand the high priest once a year would go in and he would make an offering for the sins of the people. It was placed on the mercy seat there. And literally, when Jesus died on the cross, his blood was placed on the mercy seat. And his blood being on the mercy seat reconciles us and brings us back to God. That's what it does. And God, you think about this, God doesn't see me in myself and what I've done. He sees me through the blood of Jesus Christ that's been applied at that mercy seat for me. I've been forgiven. He's our propitiation which means that he's our appeasement for sin. That Christ takes away that sin and all those things. God's justice has been satisfied. It doesn't mean that we might not physically die. But it means spiritually we'll be alive forever. I love that last verse. There's a word in verse 18 that we don't use. Maybe some of you in this room, you're, you're wise scholars, so secure is a usual word you use in your day-to-day -day language. And I'm not going to ask for raise of hands for you special people that use that word often. But uh, maybe after today you will use it some. But I don't, I've never, I've never, the only time I've ever used the word secure is when I read the Bible here. And I probably, and some of you are like, you didn't even say it right. Fine, I didn't say it right. That's because I don't use it. If you want to use it, that's fine. But literally that word, look at what it says there. For in that he himself had suffered being tempted, he is able to secure them that are tempted. 
it literally means to give aid. It speaks of a, it's a word that literally speaks of a mother caring for a crying baby to run after a, to run to a child that's crying. It doesn't say a father running to a child that's crying. It says a mother there. You know, I, am I, was I ever guilty of when our little kids were crying at night and I would hear them and I knew that mom was right there in bed? Was I ever guilty of a little poke or a, ah, did I ever do that? Oh, it was a snore? It was a loud snore? Okay, I did a loud snore. She knows what I did. Was I ever guilty of doing that? Every once in a while. Every once in a while. And, uh, but the first three kids, if they were hungry at night, there's nothing I could do about it. I know there are some men that think they can today, but I just don't see how that's possible. But the last one, it was a bottle, so I did help a little bit there. But you think about it, literally that word, as we look at there, secure, it literally has the idea to bring help when needed. When you are going through it, a trial, and you're going through it, you can call out to him, and he's there to help you through it. That's literally our Savior and what he's done for us. See, this morning, Jesus is better than the prophets, and he's better than the angels. Well, angels are better than man, and Jesus was a man. You've got to understand, God's original plan is for man to have dominion, and man will be for a little time lower than the angels, but man will be greater because of Jesus. And Jesus, our captain, our pioneer, led the way and freed us from our sin. He reconciled us. He, he took us our death and restored us. He relates with our suffering. He, gives, he restores our lost destiny. He literally fixed everything. So when we look in our world today, and we know what God's original purpose was for man to have dominion over everything, and we look and we're like, that's not so. We can look to Jesus and know it will be so because of what Jesus did for us. And church, may I just remind you this morning, wherever you're at, whatever you're, wherever you're at in your life, I've talked to a few Christians just in the past couple weeks, and they're like searching for deeper things. I, I don't know why you got to search for deeper things. You just need Jesus. That's all you need. That's, he is all that you need. He is better than anything. And sometimes we get off track because we try to go and find other things. You're never going to find anything better than Jesus. Stick to Jesus. Keep your eyes on Jesus. Look full in his wonderful face. There's nothing better than Jesus. And just fall in love with him. That's all you need to do. Fall in love with Jesus. He'll make your life a lot better. And I had someone there, they're searching, they're searching for something. I'm like, just, all you need is Jesus. You don't need any of that stuff. I would leave that stuff alone, and I would just, I would just read about Jesus. Man, just, just study the book of John. Just read about Jesus and what he's done. Just, Jesus is all you need. And you want to keep growing in the Lord and keep moving on to that spiritual perfection and mature in the Lord? You better find Jesus. You better stick with Jesus. Don't get sidetracked. Keep your eyes on Jesus. And thank God for our captain that pioneered the way and got us where we need to be. He's awesome. And it would do you good every once in a while to do like David, just to sit back and to think about it. I'm not able to do it as much as I did before, but I used to, I would like to at times just lay in the back of my truck and just look up at the sky at night. Why? 
just looking at the beauty of it all and taking it in. I like to go up to the mountains and the snow's almost gone. I'm going to start hiking some. Why? I love the beauty. And it just makes me think of my God. And it cries out that God's there. Everything around us cries out about God's glory. And yet we don't think about him and all that he's done. And yet he's mindful of us. And he sent his son to visit us and he loves us. What a God. What a God. And it would do you good just to spend time thinking about him. And to focus on him. And when you're going through a battle, when you're going through a trial, how about you cry out to him, he'll come. Like that mother in the middle of the night, he'll come. And he'll pick you up and give you aid and he'll help you out. Father, thank you for the truths of your word.